Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Mark Silk. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. Um, welcome Animation Club. Uh, this is uh, the first of a double bill Q&A today and we have uh, the amazing voice actor, uh, voice but yeah, voice actor Mark Silk. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Whoa. The grandmaster of voice acting. The grandmaster. <laughs> thank but you, I'll, Sam. Nice to be in your okay. presence. Yeah. Um, and nice to um, thank you for your time. So um, I'll let you introduce yourself, although that might be a long list with all the voices you do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm Mark. I'm a voice actor. So I'm um, day to day. I'm in my studio here. And before the apocalypse, I was traveling around the country and different places in the world to to do recording sessions for films and games and TV commercials and animation. So uh, I've I w- Star Wars with George Lucas on episode one. I'm the voice of Axmo. So in the Senate scene, you'll hear the Congress of Malice dare concur with the right to honorable delegate from the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed now. Get me some tape. Uh, I w- the very first film I worked on was Chicken Run. There's a stack of games I work on, as I think, at the moment from Sega called Two Point Hospital that I'm uh, a bunch of voices in that. There's a very cool show called Go Jetters on CBBS, where I play the naughty guy in that called Grandmaster Glitch. I'll get you no jetters. <laughs> uh, there's that there where for stuff done in this country in Europe, I've been fortunate enough to be brought in every now and then to bring life to a guy called Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> and there's the reboot of Danger Mouse, where I'm the voice of Nero, where you hear <laughs> all these bizarre vocal effects. And there's 30, 30 other characters in the first season of New Danger Mouse. There's a very cool guy called Captain Rigby in brand new Thunderbirds. Five, four, three. Eight one, that so there's him. There's there's a lot of them. There's lots. There's loads, and I'm very grateful and, and I adore what I do. Fantastic. And um, I'll start off with the first question um, until we get some in. Uh, how did you get started in voice acting? What's I started that? radio. I I, I was um, I, I did work experience at a radio station because I just I loved the. I just love the the creative environment and my heroes were always people that were, you know, in front of a mixing desk or doing special effects or whether it was music or art. Or, um, so, yeah, so I started radio, but my, my influences, my influences were always very creative and my heroes were the people behind the scenes, not necessarily people that were famous names, but the craftsmen and women that were just brilliant at what they do that that are all so important in all their separate elements when brought together it creates something magical so it might be the woman that did the the music for something or the the brilliant special effects guy or the puppeteers from muppets or the stop motion animators or chuck jones and frizz freeling from warner brothers back in the 40s you know doing bugs bunny and and daffy duck and you are despicable uh, and the, these incredible voice actors that you never knew what they looked like. Now we do. But back then, when I was at school, you didn't really see documentaries like this and it, about makings of stuff. So I would hunt them down and, and they were treasure, you know. So 
um, things like, you know, Thunderbirds and my heroes were people like the stuff that you watch again and again and again. You'd see the same names appear at the beginning yeah. and the end of, of these shows. Not necessarily famous names for most people, but for you, you know, they're the cool guys in the room that when you see those names, you know, that it's going to be something special. So, you know, Jerry Anderson, you saw that name and, you know, I'm in for a treat here. So Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, you know, you know, all, all these TV legends, you know, uh, and um, these weren't just regular TV shows. These were epic and they've stood the test of time. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to work on the reboot of Thunderbirds and, you know, David Graham was a real hero of mine. You know, the voice of Parker mm-hmm. and the voice uh, in, in, yes, my lady, you know, him. And um, he's in the new series of Thunderbirds I'll Go. And he, uh, I got to work with him. So just to be in the room with him, are you kidding me? You know, yes, I'm over the moon that I have uh, this work and, and I get to work on such high profile projects. But just to be in the room sometimes is enough to go, you know, you're working with someone that's influenced you. But that was terrific. There's a guy, you know, this guy called Mel Blank, who in the 1940s and 50s, right through into the, the, the late 80s, you know, before we lost him, he was Warner Brothers' go-to voice guy, really. So you know, in in those you know, bugs. So he was the voice that you would hear that you would hear go from Fuggatash. I turned to a pulley tad. You betcha, throw a pulley tad, that pulley tad of me. You know, and he was I tried to a pulley tad. And Sylvester, and he was say your prayers, you lop-eared varmint, or I'll blast you to smithereenies. He was the voice of. My jump dog, you know, he was the voice of, uh, come on, uh, that's right, Fred. Come on, Betty, let's go. Don't tell Mr. Slate. <laughs> you know, he was so many character voices uh, and um, a brilliant actor because oh, this isn't this isn't just doing voices. I think if you didn't get it, you might just think it's someone doing a bunch of silly voices. Well, he was a great actor. No, because in the end you're telling a story, and you know you can do a silly voice for like you know a couple of minutes, but then you go, yeah, I've heard it now. You can you know it's like an impressionist. You can hear an impression, but you go, yeah, the gags, the writing's not so great, or not so funny. Yeah, it's really accurate, but mm, you know you go, okay, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? It's like yeah, you might be able to technically play the piano. Well, play me something cool. You know, make it live, make it breathe. And then, you know, a great, great female voice from the 40s and 50s that, that again, um, we only lost her in the past 10 years and, uh, when she was nearly 100 years old, just a few years away from a 100-year-old birthday, co- called June Foray. And June Foray, do you remember the, in the Sylvester and Tweety cartoons, the granny, she was, oh. Come along, Sylvester, put the Tweety bird down, bad old pussycat. Her. And she was uh, the voice of Rocky and Rocky and Bullwinkle as well. And she just brilliant. Now, again, she would work with Mel Blanc. Then this guy called Dawes Butler, this tiny little man that had this big, big voice. And so to see some of the, hear some of the voices coming out of this figure, you'd hear, yeah, 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 don't let me too scared. It's just me, your favorite bear, Yogi Bear. Yeah. You know, and, and him. And then Dom Messick, this guy. And again, I got to meet Dom Messick. Don Messick was the original voice of Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> he created that voice back in 1969 before I was even around. And on this wall over here, the animation uh, part of the animation gallery, uh, you can see here over there, 
on the wall. Eh, not very clear, but there is an original production cell, uh, an original painting that you would have seen on screen before it was CGI, before it was computer graphics. When it was painted on, you know, clear cells, these things were painted on clear cells. That's an original production cell as used on screen from Scooby-Doo of Scooby with an original production background. And it is signed by Johanna, uh, Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera, Hannah Barbera, and personally signed to me by Don Messick when I met him. And and then there's others here. You've got uh, Daffy Duck and there's a Bugs Bunny here from Box Office Bugs. Uh, Daffy and Sylvester, pencil, pencil sketch from the Academy Award-winning Virgil Ross. So Daffy and Bugs. Flintstones down the bottom there on the right-hand side. Uh, a height comparison chart. Then you got uh, uh, Dastardly and Muttley, Yogi Bear and Cindy and a Scooby-Doo height comparison chart. And there it goes on. I love this stuff. It's just, you know, yeah. that's it's it's cool. That's where these things came from. At the back there, you see a Scooby-Doo production uh very wide background that they used to use for, for when you the camera's panning. And then doors. I can't I can just about make it out. Is that the corridor with the doors where they Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that one. Yeah. It's it's, it's it's one of those original pieces of art from from that. Yeah. So you'll see that on TV. So that's the, the actual art there. And then um and then a little go jetter's treat from the opening titles. Up there. But there's, yeah, th yeah, this is a, I love all that stuff. I collect all that stuff. It's, it's proper treasure. Forget what I do. That's the real cool stuff. No, that is really cool. I'd love to have some bits like that on the walls. I'll add to a collection soon. And what I was going to come back to what you were saying, um, with about it not just being putting a voice on. Um, you made a good point when we uh, chatted earlier about um, the difference between acting where they can see you and voice acting. The it's a totally different skill yeah it's an absolute you'll you'll get somebody that who that is a it's a terrific actor that maybe when it's a when it's voice acting all the things they rely on which are the physical you know the physical attributes or mannerisms or the or the, you know look over you, know, you can't do that when it's voice acting that's for the animators to do that's for the brilliant artists to do you the skill of you as a voice actor is to create a performance with purely your voice it's that simple. That's the difference. And how do you express somebody looking over there with your voice? If you can't go, if you can't do that, how do you do it with your voice? Hmm? Oh. How, how you know, all, all these, if you're um, like what I'm doing, Nero, the, performing the voice of Nero from Danger Mouse, it's really. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the voice of the Grimbots in Gojetters too. So we record it and pitch it up, but it, it's pretty much me going. Are you ready? Are you ready, Grimbots? Uh, and you know, and, but then it, it's treated and pitched up, and and it creates a sort of larger than life world. But yeah, a voice actor is just that. It's a performance with voice only. But the great thing is, it means you can do anything. You can create a range of characters that has nothing to do with how old you are or young you are or how old you look or young you look or where you're from in the world or you know, what your background is. You can be anything. Whereas you will be limited when, you know, just physically how you look or you know, as, a, as a performer. If you're meant to be, you know, if you're performing a, a, a fantasy character, this tiny little creature character, well, 
unless there's a trick of the camera, you can't really do that unless you are a smaller person in height. Or if you're if you're playing a, a giant, you know, it would be helpful if you're a taller person, perhaps. It, it, if you're an, you know, any you can be anything from anywhere. You can be the voice of a, of a light bulb. You can be the voice of a chicken. You can be the voice. Of, you can do anything. That's exciting because there's no limits. The only well, the only limit is that of your imagination. And the thing I love about the voice side of stuff too is the the immediacy of it. You can create something now. If you want to be on another planet, you can do that now. If you you know you you don't need to build the set. You don't need to have the, the backgrounds built or the 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 lighting and the cameras and the whole thing. You know you you can do anything. It's the theater of the mind is incredible. And you know what? The sound is so important with, with what we do. It's 50% of the experience. Imagine watching Star Wars without the sound design, without those sound effects and the music. You might just, you know, you'll see clips on, on, on YouTube where they've taken the soundtrack away and just put shuffling and coughs and things in. Uh, and you go, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Jaws without the music. Mm. Yeah, the, the that score becomes a character in itself. You know, with that, with Thunderbirds, without that score, wouldn't be Thunderbirds. You know, the the, the casting of, of of the voice performers and and the music and the sound design it, it is such an important part of what we experience. You can have a you can have a piece of uh, a video. You can experience a piece of video that has good video. Good, good quality video and poor sound. It doesn't matter how good that video is because the sound is so great and you'll put off it. And you'll see this on, on, on videos on you know YouTube or TV sometimes where someone's got a really good camera. It looks nice, but they're, they're, they're like, they're further back and it just sounds echoey. It mm. sounds, you know, it just sounds really distant. The whole thing just sound, actually, it still sounds okay. Damn microphone, <laughs> damn microphone studio. I can't make anything sound bad, but, um, but you'll see it where it just sounds harsh to listen to. Mm. And because of that, you turn off. Oh, I, I do. But you can have okay video, but good sound, and you win. Mm. Good sound is your friend. You know, you might have a piece of animation that you've worked on that's fine. Maybe not the best work, but it's fine. But you put a good bit of music behind that or a great piece of, or a great performance, a great vocal performance. It's lifted. Whole different thing. It's great. It's, there's a lot of inspiring bits in there, and that's a bit of advice that we've come up with. A few people have mentioned is the importance of the sound quality. Hugely uh, important. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, it, it, just take that extra time, and it will lift the standard of what you are doing. Seriously, it will change everything. It will change so much. Have a have a, and you don't need to spend a lot on kit either. You don't to start off with. These things are our, are our friend. You know, the, the, the cost of entry is low now. It's cheap. We've, we've all got phones or some sort of computer. We've got, a, we've got a something. And the quality of mics in these things, just to get started, is enough for you to be able to just practice. That's the best thing you can do to get into this. Practice. Just practice. Pick anything up and make it, bring it to life. Pick up something really mundane and make it interesting. Or make it as boring as you can. But do something with it, you know. Make just you know, make it boring but funny. Anything, and you now worse before, if you wanted to do this, you would have to pay a lot of money on on kit just to get started. 
you know, when I travel around, which at the moment I don't, uh, but what I do again, post-apocalypse, I would travel with an iPad and a tiny little portable microphone, as opposed to my great big super-duper microphone, Neumann TLM 49, the finest. Uh, but uh, I would travel around and um, say, last time I was in Chicago and uh, New York, I got TV commercials that I, I was asked to just record while I was out there. So I would literally plug this little mic into the iPad and then I record it in the hotel room. And I, but I'd make sure the acoustics were good. So you get the, you get the extra pillows out the wardrobe, yeah. build a pillow fort for acoustics. Seriously, if you want to try this at home to make it sound better, you watch this. You okay, try, try doing this at home. Get as many pillows as you can. Build a little pillow fort at back and front, high as you can. And then you put your your basically your head in that position, and it will sound more like a recording studio. It have that lovely dead kind of you know uh, cool professional sound to it, as opposed to that echoey sound that that isn't complimentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, so really the 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 point is it is you can get into this without having a, a lot to spend a lot on this because you've probably already got the basic kit. I did um, something similar to that. Uh, there's some. There's some how-to videos I've done for the Animation Club at the start of the apocalypse. And um, I got a box and had some, like, uh, fake fleece stuff. Yeah. box, stuck the recorder in there, and then I was I was huddled under, like, a mattress topper. <laughs> it all <laughs> works. It works. It works. It was fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I love the studio that I'm in now. This is my place. This is my studio. And, and there's a lot of space. This is just the voice room. So mm. this is this is my place to play, and and it's great because it means that I can be in here all day, and um, be inspired and want to do that. I mean, this morning we were working on a new animation series, so we're doing episodes of that, and I was linking up live from here to London, and then I've got a, a call with a friend in Los Angeles a bit later, and then we're doing a, a just a half an hour before we started. There was a quick TV commercial that I was asked to do. It's cool. It's very, very cool. It, it's a really exciting way to spend the day. It is fantastic, and the and like you said, well, during the apocalypse, it's been easy enough, as you said, to continue. You'll be able to work from home because it's yeah. I mean, I, I I've I've worked this way for years anyway. When I still live with my mom and dad, I had uh, digital lines plugged into their loft because that's where my I started out. My mom does actually. I started out at my mom and dad's dining table. So I bought the basic equipment, and we, and we and we had the dining studio, which was a microphone and a mixing desk and the absolute basics that you had. I spent everything that I had when I was just like you know, in my uh, late teens, on the basic kit, just to be able to get started. Uh, and it was worth it because I, I thought you know what I thought my future isn't working for one place. It's being my own, um, you know, guiding my own destiny. Really, you know, my own path creatively. And that way I can make my own choices to what I do. It doesn't mean it would work out, but there was there was stuff I thought I was all right at that I could get better at. And I I taught myself really that I I didn't know anywhere else I could go to learn. So I I taught I, I learned actually I learned probably for me the best way, which was just by watching people who I thought were brilliant. Yeah. Watching just great performers like Robin Williams or Jim Henson or Frank Oz from the Muppets or uh, Mel Blanc or even people like Ben Burt, the, the incredible sound designer or being inspired by 
John Williams orchestral scores and, and you know, um, by the work of Nick Park or Cosgrove Hall or any of these people, you know, you, it, it's, it's endless. There's, you know, it's like if you're creative, you're like a sort of creative sponge that just keep on absorbing ideas and then you, you make them your own. It's like if you're, if you're, if you, um, are you musical? Um, myself, not very. I might okay. be, but I'm not a, well, in that case, uh, we'll we won't end on a song then. Okay. Well, but but if you're if you're learning an instrument, yeah. you initially you start you learn by playing other people's tunes. Mm. You, know, you learn bit by bit, and you play other people's tunes. But eventually, you'll start. You know, that's, that's nice. You're know, playing your favorite song. You know, I, I loved Billy Joel. I, I still do. I've I've seen him many times. I saw him in, in New York a couple of years ago. It was awesome. In fact, I I even saw him. I I I I, I met him in the band. A few years ago, in uh, at the that's a long story. I won't anyway, it, it, it's kind of cool. Anyway, so when you're starting out, you're playing other people's tunes, but eventually you start to kind of tinker around and create your own notes and your own songs and your own thoughts and your own compositions, and then eventually it turns into your songs, your music, your creative ideas. Now you can still play other people's songs every now and then, but you go from being, you know, the cover band to the band. Yeah, you're now the band that other people cover. You know, and it's the same with anything, anything creative. Eventually, it, whether you're an artist or a, a model maker or a performer, an actor, people will come to you for who you are. Now, when you're starting out, you kind of want to be like them. You kind of go, "Oh my God, I'd love to do something like they do," yeah. but eventually when you you find your own voice in anything creative and that's why people come to you because they like what you offer not the fact that you're trying to reproduce what someone else does it's the fact that they like your ideas and what you're about um right i'm sorry i'll just check and see if we've got any questions yet no we've got rianne loman uh, an animator from america she was our first q a guest um hello rianne uh, agreeing with you that the sound is the heart of heart of anything and Makes or breaks a project. Yeah, it, it, it means you can have much lower, but a great sound means you can have much lower budget animation. Yes, <laughs> that's always handy for for animators. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll I'll just let everyone know, remind everyone you can send in your own questions. I'll um, I'll see if I've got one here, and then see if anyone else joins in. What have I put down here? Sorry, can't read my own writing here. And um, oh, um, what's your what would be your favorite voice that you do? What's your favorite? Oh, it changes. It changes depending on what I'm working on. There's, uh, I mean, there's a there's a game that we're working on for a couple of years now with um, Sega called Two Point Hospital. Mm -hmm. And when you're playing this game, it's on it's on all the consoles and there it's everywhere. And um, I was, um, yeah, when you play it. In the background, you, you hear there's a hospital radio station, Two Point Hospital in the background, you hear Two Point Hospital Radio. And I'm the voice of the hospital radio station presenters. So in the morning, you're hearing Ricky Hawthorne here on Two Point Hospital Radio. Good morning. And uh, good luck if you're here in uh, getting some uh, you know uh, uh, treatment this morning as the power has all gone down and you're probably going to be a few weeks waiting there. Anyway, good luck if you're having your, your spleen removed. So there's Ricky Hawthorne, who's completely over the over the moon about absolutely everything. Doesn't matter how bad it is, it's always a happy day in a two point hospital radio. And then uh, then midday, 
We have Sir Nigel Bickleworth, who sees nothing other than absolute disdain for anyone other than himself. And now, Sir Nigel reviews. It's awful. Thank you. Yeah, him. He's, he's very cool. And then there's a conspiracy theorist called Harrison Wolf. They're watching you. The aliens are real, man. Don't let them, don't let them get you down. They are listening to every single thing you write and say. Just stay with me. I'm gonna give you the truth. You know, it's going down. Him. So that I I, I love working on that. And that's uh, and the fact it's gone all over the, over the world. And it was nominated for Game of the Year a couple of years ago. Um but it's really cool. Uh, I, I loved um I worked on um a, a thing called Johnny Bravo uh, for uh Johnny Bravo, man, I'm pretty for Cartoon Network over here for about three years. We did we did him live. A couple of times a year. How how bad is my lockdown hair getting? I'm a little bit concerned. I'm about to put the cap back on. So uh yeah, we worked on, on that for about three years. There is um I I adore Go Jetters. Mm. I mean the, the show for CBBs. Go Jetters with Grandmaster Glitch. Or rather, the Grandmaster Glitcher with the no jetters. <laughs> uh, hello to Stephen K, by the way. Uh, good to see you were watching Grandmaster Glitch this morning on CBBs. So, um, yeah, and it, it was, I, I met him at Wales Comic Con. Yes, that's it. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for being there. So, yeah, um, and again, a brilliant cast, great funky tunes, brilliant writing, great director, and just a, a lovely, lovely team. You know, so it'd be great we could be back in the room again together. So, I do work on that. Um, there's a great show called Fifi and the Flower Tots that I worked on with, great, uh, with Jane Horrocks, uh, you know, a good while ago now. But again, it was like a family working on that thing. We did that for a good few years. Um, Roy, the racing car with Peter Kay. We did that for another couple of years. And, you know, uh, and the friendships and things that, that, that came from that were wonderful. In fact, that's how I ended up going to see um, meeting Billy Joel because I was invited. He invited me to go and see Billy Joel with him. So, <laughs> so that was fun. Mm. Uh, it, it changes. I mean, I've just done. Uh, oh, God, there's a new. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles project I've been working on. And so, oh God, a good while ago, I was cast, given the all, the all clear by Nickelodeon to be the voice of six Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle characters. So I, I for this new project, I'll be the voice of Splinter, Bebop, Bebop and Rocksteady. I'll get you turtles. It's turtle bashing time. Those guys. And Baxter and Baxter Fly and uh, Casey Jones. Uh, and uh, and again, working with a Chicago, uh, company in Chicago on that, uh, and this it changes because there's so many cool projects. You kind of go well, picking one. Yeah, the, I I enjoy the. It, you know what? I, I genuinely enjoy the, working with the people. The, yeah. I, I I love the people I'm working with. That the 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 fun of that day is, is as much as uh, uh, as important to me as the shows. I just want to have a good day. But in terms of, you know, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of Go Jetters. Love being part of that. It sounds really nice. I love, I, I love when I hear stories about that sort of thing where, like you say, about it becoming almost like a family and the friendships you make in that kind of thing, working on a creative project is... It, it is. It's a collaboration. You know, there's more to, there's more to any of these shows than just one person. And, mm. and all of this is about people and relationships and... And, you know, being able to take direction, just no matter what you do, 
you know, taking direction in the literal sense of how do you get to the studio? If you if you if you can't take that kind of direction, you won't get in the building. But also just being able to get along and being in a team full of different personalities and being able to connect with anyone and make the best out of that day. And the and you know, but um, but with and with voice acting, even down to just taking direction listening to the other performers is such an important thing because yes your performance is important but you be able to listen to that other performer before you or around you is equally as important as what you're doing because let's you know you might get a script and go through it and, and think oh i can do that with that line oh that'll be funny oh that'll be dramatic oh that'll be silly that'll be great uh what well, great great but if that idea is set in stone and you're not really listening to the others, that's no good because the other performer might be doing the same thing. The performer before you or the others leading up to your moment in that particular scene might feed you a line in a way that won't work with what you thought you were going to do. You have to listen to what they're doing and respond and make it real. These things have to live and breathe. You know, because you'll hear it. You will hear recordings that where it sounds like it isn't particularly real. You'll hear recordings, you'll hear shows where it sounds like just lots of things recorded and put together to make a scene. Mm. And, you know, and it'll kind of work, but it won't be as good as it could be. But when everyone's working together, the the perfect example of how something should sound or can sound when it's at its best is it sounds like there's just a microphone being dipped in the room and you're hearing what's going on. It's like you're, you know, you know, you're, you're just like a, a mic and a camera is being pointed in the direction of something real, no matter how crazy that might be, or you know, larger than life that might be. Otherwise, it just sounds like people talking to you at you. Um, sorry, we've got quite a few questions building up here. Um, I think you've answered quite a lot of those already as well in there. Um, someone's asking if there's a character that you or a person that you'd like to portray. Yeah, I mean, it's something new. I I love it when some, but when the 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 people I love portraying are people that are new to me, where it's a something completely new, someone else's vision, and and they'll present you with a character or an idea, and you go, okay, now bring this to life. Mm. That, that that's the, it's because if it's something that's well known or a person that's already out there, well, you know what they sound like, so you kind of if 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 you're already portraying something that's already in existence. You're kind of having to, you know, um, bring that essence to life through your own performance. But what I, you know, and, and I love doing that for for certain things like these classic legendary characters that I'm, I'm that I've been fortunate enough to to be brought in to um, continue their performances, like 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 Shaggy Scoob, really, Zoinks. you know, and and these other bits and pieces. You know, it's a privilege, but the thing that's a thrill is when you create something brand new. You know it's going well when when, when someone comes up to you and, and impersonates what you've done or impersonates your character back at you. And you kind of think that's really cool. And the fact that they liked it enough to, to want to share that with you. And you go, that is awful. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is truly a terrible version of what I do for a profession. Thank you for completely demoralizing me and everything that I stand for. I appreciate your time. Please leave. <laughs> oh, Actually, there's a question in, in the chat here saying, um, do people ever recognize you just by your voice? And the answer is actually yes. I was on um, 
I was on a train uh, ages ago, and <laughs> somebody came up to me. I, I was ordering. I was, I was just buying a coffee or something. I get a, uh, a cup of dishwater from the, uh, tra- uh, the dishwater coffee from the train. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I just asked for this thing and a, and a little um, a bar, a little you know, nibble bar of chocolate. And there's a lady next to me and she said, you have that voice off the television, don't you? And I said, maybe. And she said, it's a Coronation Street, isn't it? It's a Coronation Street thing. And I said, okay, maybe. And she said, oh, say it. Say it. Introduce it. Introduce it. And she actually said this. So I said, okay. And I just turned to it and I went, Coronation Street is sponsored by Cadbury's Time Out Chunky. I said, no, 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 there's another one. There's a different one. There's a different one. I said, oh, I know the one you mean. I said, okay. Coronation Street is sponsored by Capri's Fruit and Nut. <laughs> it, it, it actually happens. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm just talking, you know, but sometimes people actually do recognize just, you know, you by your voice, I guess. It's Have that. Characters that are similar to your own voice. I know that um, Billy West modeled Fry's voice in yeah, his, him. his own, really. Fry! Yeah, Fry. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. is there anything that's similar to your own voice? There, there's, uh, I think if I get excitable, there's probably a whole bunch of TV commercials where you'll you'll hear the amazing new thing from character, or the you know uh, Thomas the Tank Engine so and so helmet, you know, <laughs> it might be Doctor Who's voice changing helmet. Yeah, maybe it's it's possible. I mean, for years I was the voice of it's Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway, or Welcome to the Royal Variety Performance, or uh, This is Dancing on Ice. You know, there's you know, lo- loads of them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, every now and then, if it's similar to my kind of regular speaking note, mm. then then it's quite possible. And um, uh, Steve's asking, what's your favourite cartoon that you aren't in? What's your favourite cartoon that you're not in? Oh, I see that. Uh, I, I have three. Well, he's given me three options here. Yeah. I'm limiting. I, I've got Teen Titans, Voltron, or South Park. I'll oh, go with South Park. Genius. Yeah. Absolute genius. And, and brilliant writing, great vocal performances, and, and yeah. And you know, talk about talk about efficiency of workflow. <laughs> yeah, you know they can. It's all self-contained. Walk in there, animate quickly, do it out the door. Mm. That yeah, but uh, yeah, it's great. Um, is there any going off of that? Is there any projects that are like a quick turnaround that you're involved in that are that sort of sort of thing? Quite a quick turnaround for. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I did earlier, I got, I, got a, I was uh, I was walking my dog, walking my pup. And um, I got a phone call out of the blue saying, are you free for a TV commercial in half an hour? I said, yeah, sure, yeah. So we were just chatting as I walked back and, and uh, uh, gave my papa a, a puppy treat, tummy tickle, got a coffee um, in the studio. We had a little chat about some new tech toys that my friend had, had got hold of for his studio, recorded the commercial, and then literally uh, linked up with you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's some, sometimes things are, are that quick. Literally, yeah. are you free in half an hour for for a for a big project? And That's then there'll be others where you know your time in your diaries allocated months away over a number of recording sessions for TV or whatever it might be. Uh, so Wilfred's asking, what's the main differences you have to make, whether it's kids TV or adult TV? It's all acting. It's all. I don't. I don't make any. I, I don't have any difference in, in my approach to it. It's it's all you're bringing characters to life. That's it. You're telling stories. 
No, that's it. Now, that's really the writing. It, it's who's it aimed at. Never talk down to kids. Never condescend adults. Um, you know, you look at even like early the, the the best shows for kids. Never preach to them. They they never talk down to them. You know, go jetters. It's you could be watching that if you, if you're you know five years old or five hundred years old. It it's still as cool. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to people that have watched it that don't have kids at all. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's just a cool show. It's just a cool show. You know, you, the, um, it, it's like um, you know, the guy mentioned South Park earlier. You know, Stephen, and you go, well, there'll be kids watching South Park. They officially shouldn't be, but there will be. Uh, and the the best, I think, the best shows are, are generally, well, well, often really great shows have a potentially universal audience in terms of age. Mm-hmm. Same with any film or, you know, what age is Star Wars actually aimed at? Is it kids? Is it adults? But who actually watches it? You know, I mean, I mean, who's getting more excited when, when, the, when the next Lego Millennium Falcon comes out? You know, kid, kids or, or, you know, or 45-year-old men, you know, or women or whatever it might be. Um, it's, you know, I, I was at Costco a couple of days ago. I uh, haven't been there since December. This is my um, gentle sneaking first thing in the morning to be safe with my mask on my beekeepers out for Tom. But I, I, I went across and the, uh, the Ghostbusters Ecto-1 Lego thing, which is like that big. Well, you know, it, it might sound, you know, ages seven up or whatever. You go, I'm, I'm, I think I need to have this. <laughs> well, it says seven up. So yeah, <laughs> I am up clearly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah. So really, I mean, obviously the writing and the style will be different, but but in terms of, you know, what's the approach to, um, I think one thing that might be a, a difference in kids to adults is um, clarity sometimes. It's important with everything, but you want to make, you know, it's it's important as well with, this This is really in the writing too, that you're using words that that like, if it's a young kid especially, will understand. You know, sometimes you'll see a script where, the, the language is too complicated for using using vocabulary that if you're five years old, you might not know what those words mean. And that actually is the same for, that's more writing though. That's the same with any piece of writing for this kind of thing where, you know, that's basic communication where you might be using vocabulary where you know what it means, but your audience might not. And so it's it's your role as a writer and a com- to communicate that idea with with clarity. But in terms of for the performance side, really, you know, whether I'm doing a, you know, uh, an in-your-face adult um, game, mm-hmm. or, or or a Star Wars character, the, the the approach would be the same as if you're doing something for a preschool audience. It's, you know, you you never talk down to your audience uh, and make sure that it's as uh, as good as you can give. That's it. Very cool. Nice advice there. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, there's no more questions there, but I've got one that I wrote down, which is because um, uh, you do you do seem to do a lot of like funny characters and and have like a lot of comedy moments. Are there any moments or characters you've done where you could you struggle to hold it together? Made yourself laugh too much <laughs> doing that character. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> there, there, have been, there have been moments in Gojetters where they, I don't know we just made each other laugh and, and got fits of the giggles and, and you read over, you know you just get that look from the director where you oh god they've gone again. Uh, and there's um, there's a series that I can't say that we've been working on. I don't think I can say we can work really good. But there was no, uh, and 
again, end of last year. No, 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 yeah, beginning of last year, beginning of last year, when we were still in the studio together, there was one moment, I've actually got, I, I captured, I caught it on video, and it's just, it, it, it's, it's a good show again. But there was a moment that just, there was, you could read it two ways, basically, this this thing. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And we, each member of the cast, just got huge fits of the giggles. Uh, and I, I was nearly crying. That they, we, we were all in absolute pieces. One of the actors had to walk out the room because it was streaming down his face and we were all, it was, uh, we got like, like beetroot red and the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it, yeah. Sometimes you might, yeah. Uh, Wilfred again is asking, are there any jobs that you've had to turn down for any reason? Yes, there was one about mm, a few years ago, uh, and it was because I just didn't want to be part of it. It was it was actually something for a, a, a company that, that manufactures cigarettes. Okay. And yeah. I've never smoked. I always try and take care of myself. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I've supported charities in the past that are helping people with cancer and stuff, and I'm thinking... I'd be a total hypocrite if I did that. Yeah, to, to a point, if you decide that you are performing stuff yeah. or, or being the voice of commercials or things, to a point, within reason, you kind of go, look, this is what I do. And, but then every now and then something might come along where you go, I, um, I'm going to pass on that one, actually. And I could, there's, there's probably less than a handful ever in my entire career that I've passed on. But that was a good example. And then you start to go, they tell you what you might get if you did the work yeah. in terms of pocket money. And, and you go, oh, maybe I could get, donate half of it to charity or something. And you go, no, just no, no. I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah. Um, um, and, you know, actually, there was one, no, the, the detail almost doesn't matter, but but it, it, it was basically where the uh, yeah the, you, you have to do what you feel is right you um if i, I actually yeah there was a, something that i turned down very early in my career when, when i was a presenter on the radio and it became successful really fast what i was doing and um i'd only been doing it about six months and i got approached by radio one to go and do something with them and i wasn't ready for it uh, and i was offered the chance to go down and do something with radio one because uh, they liked, they heard what I was doing on the radio and were very, very complimentary and offered me the chance to do something with them. Mm. And I said, this might be the biggest career mistake of my life, but I'm not ready for this. Mm. I said, I think I went, what? You turning me down? I said, I think I am. I said, you know, this is too important for me to, to jump in when I don't feel I'm ready yet. I said, I'm not experienced enough yet for that. I don't leave home. Yeah, didn't want to leave home. I wasn't ready to do that. I wasn't ready to go and live in London. I wasn't ready to have national eyes on me. I was, and I said, I'm still learning. I, he said, he said, you'll always be learning. I said, yeah, but there's a benchmark that I feel I should be at before I tell other people that I think I'm ready. Because, you know, I, I don't let my, you know, my own sort of sense of, oh, I'm doing all right at this to lead me in the wrong direction. And I, I, I've only ever done stuff when I feel it was right for me. Because if you're not comfortable with your own decisions, you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I stuck to that kind of idea. And, and the guy was—he he said, "I admire you for—I admire you for doing that." And I sort of thanks. I said, "You know, that's important." Though. It is a bit, bit of advice there, because I mean, I've, I've felt the same in the past. Where, um, well, I've, I've 
only recently learned that sort of lesson. If you don't feel you're ready, you don't have to go for it because there's only two ways it'll go. You need to be lucky and it goes all right, or you will burn don't, out. Yeah, just because someone asks you to do something doesn't yeah. mean you have to. You do what's right for you. And it doesn't matter what your reasons are or whether someone, you know, whatever someone says, you've got to do what's right for you. Uh, and you'll have a much happier day because of that. Right? You, you'll, you know, you'll know you, you did the right thing for, for, for that point in time. So you can do make decisions on what you think is the right thing at that point in time. That's it. That's all anyone can do. It'll work out good in the end. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Uh, but you've, yeah, you've got an amazing career out of it um, as well. Um, yeah, um, um, sorry, I'm, I'm aware of the time because we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, That's okay. Um, and then we've got uh, for we've got Randy Boyum next at five pm. Uh, All the goodies. Yeah, for uh, of. Mm, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm mumbling now. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll start over that bit again. Um, so thank you, thank you very much, Mark, for your You're time. Very welcome. Thanks for the chat. It's been really nice. Um, so yeah, everyone, uh, join us again at five pm. And um, yeah, massive thank you for Mark and uh, some great, great stuff in in there. Some really good advice and nice insights into voice acting and, and your career. Thanks, Sam, uh, and. Uh... Uh, yeah, thank you for the chat and thank you for the questions as well. And um, all the best to you and the crew at Tape. And once the apocalypse has been lifted, um, mm. see see you in the real. Yes, see you in the real, definitely. There you okay. go, done. I'll come off of live now. See you, everyone. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this Q&A podcast. We would like to thank Mark Silk for speaking to us and the Animation Club for their hard work. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Goodbye.